0: Happy Wednesday, the day before May the 4th, which is of course National Star Wars Day, or I should honestly should say International Star Wars Day. Um, another jam-packed episode for you all today, continuing our season reviews. We get to the bottom six. We have to start with a player who I think was their best player in the bottom six of the season, even though he only played half a season. We're gonna touch on that right after this drop. We'll also get into um what the what the new GM should do right. When he takes a job, you know, what's the first and maybe second or third order of business that he needs to take care of. He or she, of course, um, whenever that person takes a job and we'll of course, and it was some playoff top. That's all coming up right after this drop. You're locked on penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh penguins, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You're going to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LOLSR Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first list in the day. We're free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. So let's jump right into it. So we've already finished the top six. It's crazy how fast. This is going and, and you're know, just, you know, putting this out there, we're not going to be doing obviously Brock McGinn or uh, Teddy Bluger or Chris Berry because they're not here anymore. So, you know, I know they were here to start the season, but we're not going to be really doing them because um they're, they're not paying on this right now. So we're only really doing players that are still on the roster um as of right now. And, you know, we're going to jump into it. We're already in the bottom six, the best bottom six player this year to me, Drew Connor. Um, played forty six games, finally came up for good from Wilkesbury, and he was great. Five goals, eleven points in the forty six games. Um, of course, the family percentage of fifty two point three percent. You know, this was easily his best NHL season by far. Um, just all of his goals. You know, for all five at even strength, um, underlying wise, when he was on the ice again, the Penguins at fifty two percent, fifty two point three percent of the shot attempts. Um goal 15 goals for 18 goals against. So a little man there. Expected goals, 53.5% of the expected goal share when he was on the ice for the penguins. Scoring chances 50.7%, 50. 51.2% of high danger chances, and then high danger goals for 11 for eight against that rounds up to about 58% shooting percentage about 6.5 this year, which is a little step up from last year, but he shot 5.8. This was the most amount of games that he has played since coming into the NHL. Remember 2020, 2021 played 10 games that last season played 22 this past season played 46 and and I'll continue to say it the the jump that he has had uh, honestly ever since that COVID shortened season, when he played those 10 games to now it's nothing short of a miracle, to be honest. You know, and he, he kind of looked like not even an AHL player when he first came up. You know, I was intrigued about him, but he looked like an ECHL player, someone who should be playing in wheeling. He went down, worked on his game, last year came up, looked a bit better. And then, you know, this year, it, 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 you know, he worked on more of his game down in the minors, even though he only played 22 games here last year. He played the rest down in Wilkesbury. Had a great offseason, had a great training camp, didn't fully make it, then comes up, plays 46 games, was here for good, especially down the stretch. And he had one of the goals of the year, I think, for the Penguins late in the season against Tampa Bay Lightning uh, when they won that wild game down in Tampa. And that was the one that Jason Zucker won for them in overtime. You know, he yeah, it was almost like a Shades of Jordan Stall goal where he went uh, backhand, forehand on Vasilevsky. I believe it was stick side. And Celebration was awesome. It was just, it was the vintage stall goal um, from the 2009 Stanley Cup final against the Red Wings when, you know, that one, you know, really changed, you know, the course of that series game four at that point. That was when I felt like it was like, okay, this looks a little different. But, you know, he made so, so many great strides here. His defensive metrics were also rock solid. Um, if there is a player in this bottom six right now that, should have a full-time spot ready to go next season, it is him. Outside of that, I mean, I know Carter's probably going to come back, so he's going to be there, so I guess that's two. We'll get to him a little later. Um, But if you're asking me in a perfect world, he should be the only player from this bottom six who has a full-time roster spot guaranteed to him next season. I don't think anyone else, maybe you could argue Ryan Paling. that's fine, we'll get to him a little later as well. Um, I don't think anyone else should have a slam dunk roster spot outside of him you know he's a young player fast skilled good defensively you can put him on the pk second probably you don't really need to put him there unless a bunch of injuries happen good at even strength knows all the little things well he's everything what you know he's everything you want in a bottom six winger um you know, he just he's just that plug and play guy you know he can you know crap forecheck hard crash the net win puck battles along the boards you know, third, fourth line, it doesn't matter where you put him. I, I just really enjoyed his game this season. And, you know, if you can honestly get a bottom six, of a you know, if a couple of Drew O'Connor's in there are similar type players, maybe you see O'Connor score a bit more. I know five goals in 46 games is something to write home about, but, you know, still five goals. And, you know, if you subtract five games from there and that's 41, you know, you, it rounds up to about nine to 10 goals. Um, for O'Connor, which you know, I, I would take from him if he if he can have double digit goals for this team next season, um, I would be happy. Yeah, if we want to get there, yeah. In terms of expectations next season, you know, so he had 11 points in 46 teams this season. You know, for a full season, that's around what 20, 22. If you want to maybe bump that up to 25, you know, if he if he can have like 10 to 12, 13 goals next season in a full year with, you know, 10 to 15 assists, maybe have 25, 30 points. You know, that's what I'm looking for right now. When it comes to O'Connor, doesn't matter which line you put him on, third or fourth. Um, but you know, if the Penguins need to get younger, um, especially forward wise outside of the top six, you know, he is an easy player, um, you know, to, to, to bring back in the fold. Um and, and just guarantee the roster's stuff because you know, I don't think he's gonna learn anything by playing any more games of Wilkie there. You know, he, he showed that he belongs with the major club and yeah you know, i just I, I don't see him you know going down at all and you know he is um an rfa right now so 750k knee they just signed him to 775k i don't think he's going to be asking for too much on this contract you can probably get him for less than a million 11 points i mean that come on people you know i don't think you're going to get him for 775 but i think you could probably get him for what 900 950k that that should be i think a pretty easy negotiation if you ask me, honestly, honestly, would not be surprised if Mike Sullivan and the interim guys get him done next. You know, they got they just got Alex Neilander done. You know, maybe they, you know, get O'Connor done so um just you know, so that new GM doesn't have to deal with the RFAs because honestly, um, they really don't know they don't really have too many RFAs right now. When you look at it, they just got Alex Neelyander done, they have Brian Paley who makes 750K, and Drew O'Connor who makes 750K. And that's it. That, that those are the only RFA's this team has going into the offseason. Honestly, Yams, you could probably ask the interim guys and Mike Sullivan to work out deals with both those players. They're not going to be asking for that much money. And we'll get to Ryan Paling a little bit later. But in terms of Drew Connor, you know, <clears throat> they maybe will sign him to like a two-year deal, one point eight million total. It would be something, around my guess, and I think it'll be very well deserved. Yes, one way deal doesn't really mean much, but you know, I don't think he's going to be going back to Wilkes-Barre anyway. He's earned the right to be here full time. I really liked his game this season, and I'm really excited to see where it goes next year. I'm I'm higher on him than some others are, and I think you all have probably noticed that throughout my episodes during the season, and then now the season review. So, you know, in my opinion, in terms of bottom six, I'll give him like a solid B plus B around that range, you No, know, room for improvement, but steady as she goes, very solid player I like the season that he had good metrics I'm just an all around good player. So that wraps up this segment, as we touched on Drew Connor's season review coming up in the second segment, we are going to, to discuss um, what the first order of business should be for the GM. And no, nope, it's not making a trade. I can say that, you know, that's going to come a little bit later, but, Before we do get to that, we do have to discuss game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. It is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can also get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, Basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Download the Game Time app right now, create an account, and use code LOCKEDINNHL for $20 off your first purchase and terms of fly. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDINNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at Alan Penguins. And, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day, referring and available on all platforms. So getting into this sec- this segment here, so- something I thought of the the day, and I figured, oh, let's just talk about it on the show. So when the new GM is hired, and I don't know who that's going to be, um, I was watching the Carolina-New Jersey game earlier and what Carolina did to the Devils there was nothing short of spectacular. They really limited the Devils' uh, scoring chances against. The Devils really didn't have any high danger chances. Um, and Carolina will suffocate you. You know, it doesn't matter who's in their lineup. No Sachnikov, no Cheravin, no Pacioretty. Uh, They took. They blew the Devils out, and they're up one nothing in the series. You know, maybe I underestimated Carolina a little bit going into the series because I, I did pick the Devils in seven games via my Twitter, but. No, I was really impressed about Carolina played. And again, Eric Tolsky is sitting right there. He His hands are all over that roster. They have a lot of cheap depth players contributing on a nightly basis. You know, it's not just Sebastian Ajo and Marty Nages and Brent Burns. They have Pesci score. um score. Jordan Stahl is still playing his butt off. He's been there forever, though. But, you know, Stefan Nason's playing well. Derek Stefan, Jesper Foss, players like that who, you know, they, they, they get the system, they know their role. And, they execute it to a T. So, I'll keep saying it. Hire Eric Tolsky. Hopefully Carolina lets them interview. Lets him interview the Penguins. It will be such a spectacular move. Anyway, whoever this new GM is, he or she, they're going to have a lot on their plate when they take this job. You have to get this roster back to being a playoff team next season. You're going to have to set, shed some cap space. You're going to have to add to this team, make other trades and all that stuff. I think it's a it goaltending, but I think the, the first – Bit of business this new GM will have to do is decide on the coach stuff. And I don't just mean Mike Sullivan because I do think Sullivan's coming back. I was reading for today from Michael Blake McCurdy of Hockey Viz, and he has um his model actually rates uh Mike Sullivan and Jay Woodcroft, the Oilers coaches, the two best coaches in the league. So it's like, oh, okay, that's at least nice to see from the analytics community. That goes to show how high they are on him. But now, I do expect Sullivan to be back. I don't think this is going to be like a Dan Bilesma situation that you saw in 2014 when um, Mario and Ron Burkle, they dismissed Ray Shero and his assistants, but they kept Bilesma. Um, I think that's a little different in my opinion. I think everyone was ready for Bilesma to be fired there. I think a lot of people here – I know so, there's a, a decent chunk in the fan base right now that does want Mike Sullivan fired, but I think there's also a good chunk that does not, and I I, I personally don't think he's going to get fired. That's just my opinion, though. Um, but I may mainly – the assistants? What is Mike Vellucci's future? What is Tar Reardon's future? What are the other assistant futures on the staff? Because, you know, I and a lot of other people, you know, in the fan base, the media who cover the team, everyone in the Penguins community, I think a good majority of them were not happy with how the assistants performed this season. Mike Vellucci's penalty killing unit, I'm sorry, it is not that good. They run that diamond that is just way too passive um, in my opinion it's not aggressive enough as you, as you see like some of the other better penalty kills in the league like um, Boston's for example Carolina is a very good New Jersey's is pretty decent um, the penguins need to run a penalty kill similar to that you know where they are all over the puck carriers and they're not letting easy access to the zone you know be, you know it's just it's night and day when i watch the penguins power play when they fail to gain the zone all the time and versus when i watch the penalty, their penalty kill and they let easy entries go in Again, it's it's literally just night and day. It's it's crazy to me, to be honest. So, you know, that's something I really want to see improved going into next season. And I don't know if Vellucci is gonna be the one to do that. That's why I do think that Volucci, you know, he could be shown the door at the GM. Um it's not like what he or she thinks sees in that. And then Charity, you know, I I do know that the organization thinks very highly of him. Um, his work with the defenseman is usually very good, but I also know that his power play this season—I I know I've looked at the numbers. It's you know outside the top ten, about league average. It did not feel like it was league average. You know, Mike Sullivan talked about expected goals and how they ranked top ten in terms of that other man advantage. I am sorry, you know that may be true, and I and I'm a, as number I'm a big numbers guy, but a lot of other times it looked like total poop. They need to find a fix for the zone entries for that unit, the overpassing. You know, everything involved, the perimeter play, that stupid drop pass, all of it. You know, and especially that slingshot play that they have in the zone. It's its really just flat out annoying. So, you know, that's that's I think the main order of business that this new GM will have is looking at the coaching staff, especially the assistants, and seeing if there are going to be some changes made there. The second order of business for me um, is honestly, you know, probably getting to work uh, you know, on getting his assistant here, his, his or her assistance in here. I apologize. I keep correcting myself for just me. I'm being an idiot. Um, But, you know, it's just getting the assistance in, you know, who is going to accompany this person over building out a front office, obviously very important. You don't please for the love of God. I don't want, you know, the nepotism in this front office. I don't need to see Ron Hextall hiring his kid to run the scouting or Chris Pryor hiring his son to help run scouting. Please, for the love of God, stop hiring your kids. Bring people in who are actually qualified for these positions. They're going to be building out their analytics department. I'm really curious to see how that goes. But building out a strong front office that is cohesive, that gets along, that understands what the main mission is for this team, that is also very important to me. Honestly, you could say this as a 1A, 1B with you know getting the assistant man- uh, management right and figuring out what to do with the coaching staff. The third order of business to me, and now we'll start to get into other stuff, is Jason Zucker's contract. You look at Cap friendly, and you know, there's there's some free agents out there. You know, Obviously, you know, Tristan Jari, $3.5 Kula Kov is gone. Ryan Duman's going to walk. Josh Archibald, I doubt, is coming back. Danton Heine and Nick Ninos, see ya. The two UFAs that mean the most are Tristan Jari and Jason Zucker. No one else really means um that much to me. And, you know, Zucker is the one that I would look at first because, you know, the goaltending can wait a little bit. You know, you don't have to deal with that, you know, right as you come in. Zucker, I think, is, you know, a little more important right now because I expect the tire to be made well before free agency starts. So you'll have time to negotiate, you know, with Tristan Dari if you choose a short-term deal or trade for a goalie, offer sheet one, whatever. My third order of business is you know starting contract discussions with Jason Zucker and seeing if you can come to agreement with with him. If that fails and you see him go to market, um, I think then you will have you will see them maybe start negotiations with Jari on a short-term deal or look to look to trading for a goalie, something like that. But I think Zucker right now is a higher priority um than Jari. And I honestly don't really think it's that close. that, that may that may seem like a hot take to some of you all, but to me. Um, in terms of how Zucker played this season, I and I know the team needs a, a starting goaltender for next season. It, they're not going to go in over that one. But you know, in terms of you know the free agent market not being super good in terms of placements, you you'll probably have to trade for one for Zucker. Um, I, I would start negotiations um right then and there. Um, so you know, those are my main things that I would do right away in terms of you know the GM. Um, we'll get to what I would do. You know, a little later on, maybe this week or next week in terms of like, you're putting stuff on the back burner. But in terms of right when the person is hired, those are the first few things that I would really be, you know, getting started on. Outside of obviously getting to know everyone in the organization um, and all that stuff, you know, introductory meetings and all that. But that does it for this segment of the Lockdown Penguins podcast coming up in our final segment. Of course, it's a little playoff recap here. Can you continue talking about these games for a series left? I have a lot of fun doing it. I love watching these games. That's all coming up uh, to end this episode. Stick around after this commercial break. All right. I'm back here in this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. you to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, LRS or Penguins. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. So, um, tonight... Kicked off day two of round two of this in playoffs. And Vegas is right now up 3-2. That's going to be changed by the time that you listen to this episode or watch it. That's been a really fun game to watch. Um, I want seven games of that. Um, I already touched on Carolina, New Jersey. <laughs> Just seeing how Carolina smothered New Jersey. The, the the Devils only had 18 shots tonight. It's very rare when a high-flying team like that is limited like that. But the, the Hurricanes, they're so good at what they do. They four-check hard. They get in the way of shooting lanes. They don't give you anything in terms of high danger chances. This is going to be a really tough series of the Devils to win. And I and I picked them two because I think they have what it takes, and they've gone down 0-2 before, so they're probably not really worried right now. But and they're going to have to change up their tactics a little bit. You know, They're not going to beat the Hurricanes the way they beat the Rangers because the Hurricanes are much better defensively, even though they're banged up. You know, this is still going to be a really tough series in New Jersey to win, and I was really impressed with how Carolina – Shut down the top players on New Jersey's night, so that was a lot of fun. Panthers four two of the Maple Leafs, and Panthers just have like that team of destiny vibe. I, I don't know, but they are playing some very strong hockey right now. Sergey Bobrovsky has turned the clock back to like 2014 or 2015. He's playing out of his mind for someone that usually stinks in the playoffs. I am just stunned by this, but you know he he's been awesome. And you know, say you say what you want. About, oh, Hunter, their ratings might not be that good if the Panthers make the Eastern Conference Final. Whatever. It's cool. It's cool for the sport. They have been to a conference final since 96. So, I mean, come on. But they did a really nice job on the Maple Leafs. That game was 2-2 for a little bit before Carter Berhage, who seems like scores every freaking game, scored again. <laughs> Brandon Montour, he feels like he scored every game, Every game which he has. scored again. Panthers, you know, and they got Montour for a third round pick. They got Carter for Hagee for free. You know, some of those players, they are reaping the rewards. And that that team is, I, I don't think Paul Maurice is that good of a coach. I think this team wins in spite of him. But, you know, this Panthers team is, you know, compared to the last couple of years, something just feels different about them. And they're they're giving me that team of destiny vibe right now. And then Kraken beat the Stars five four in overtime, thanks to Yanni Gore winning it. Joe Pavelski did everything he could. Five uh, four. He scored actually. No, scored. Excuse me. He scored all four of the Stars' goals in the five four loss. Um, last player to score four in a playoff game, I believe, was, um, was Kevin Ranta? I believe it was Yoel Kibi Ranta that last scored four goals in a playoff game. Um, last player to score five in a playoff game, Mario. Yep. The last player to score five in a playoff game was Mario Lemieux. So don't know when, that, when that's ever going to be done again, but Belsky hit four. Again, I believe that was I believe he was the first one since Kibi Ranta from the COVID shortened season. I believe that's actually when the Stars went to the final. So um, last player to do was a star. Now it happened here. Um, Jake Ottinger looked really shaky in the first period, rebounded in the last two. Uh, the Kraken, um, they withstood a barrage. Of shots in the third period, but they're able to win that game. The Kraken, they don't have a lot of, you know, star firepower, even with McCann in the lineup, but man, are they deep. They can run four lines at anyone. That's, that's what their lineup is, Jens. It's a bunch of really good depth forwards, got 40 goal scored McCann in there when he's healthy. He's obviously very good. But in terms of like that game-breaking superstar, they don't really have that. It doesn't matter. They have the depth. Philip Grubauer is still playing really well. Their defense is very mobile. No, they, they. It's. I'm not. It's not too surprising to see them here. I mean, I was a little surprised that they beat the Avalanche, Um, just because I, I thought even without Landis Cog and the Chew Skin with with whatever' is going on with him, and that's a really messy story. Go look that up, by the way. You know, I, I still thought the Avalanche would win, but you know, the Kraken were a good team this season, and you know, if they beat the Stars here, that's going to be really something else. But. Yeah, they're, they're, a, they're a fun team to watch. I was never really high on Dave Hakstol, especially being their coach. Um, he's making me eat some crow right now because he has them playing a very fun style of, of hockey to watch. And, again, they are so mobile on the back end. Their defensemen are getting into the goal scoring. Their forwards are very deep. They're getting good goaltending. I don't know if it's going to be enough to beat Dallas because I do think Dallas is more better equipped right now to beat them. But, you know, as long as they keep playing like this, they're going to be a really tough out. Every series so far has gotten off to a really fun start, and I'm really happy about it. So um, that wraps up this segment for uh, the playoff update. We do have a couple of games um, tomorrow, Florida-Toronto, and then, of course, Seattle-Dallas. Those will be on TNT, 7 o'clock for the first one, 9.30 for the second one. Um, that does it for this episode of the Logs on Penguins podcast. I'll be back with another episode for you all, and also just a few hours on Thursday where we continue our season reviews plus dive into some other topics relating to the Penguins. I promise you we are going to touch on More stuff as more news comes out. It's just a very slow time right now. But, again, that does not mean that we will not do shows because that is not how this operates. You know, there's always stuff to talk about when it comes to this team. But thank you all so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. We'll do another one of these for you all on Thursday.